0: Hello there, and welcome to the Drink Five Fantasy Football Podcast. Today is August 2nd, 2016, and our topic is how to draft a winning team in 2016. (laughs) Tuesday
1: night, it's time to talk about fantasy football. Now until the end of the season, you will hear our voices every Tuesday, and we'll be talking about fantasy football. It is the Drink 5 Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Jason Evans, joined as always with uh, Dave Biggs. So uh, Dave, welcome to the show. Are you ready for uh, the 2016 fantasy season?
0: Yeah, you know, the cool thing about the season is that you can kind of ease into it. Right, because we've got a bunch of preseason games, a Hall of Fame game that really doesn't matter at all, but it's still football, so that's pretty cool. Um, And then, of course, all the training camp news and all the fantasy drafts that are sporadically for us, anyway, through the next month. Um, And that's mostly redraft leagues, which we're going to talk about tonight.
1: Right, yeah, it's definitely uh, the start of draft season um, early in August here. The first uh, game is on September 8th, so that's a little over a month away now. And uh, I, for one, am very excited for the football season to start, um, but more excited almost for fantasy football drafts, which uh, my first one is, well, I had a dynasty draft already, but my first draft is next Saturday, so it should be a good time. Uh, So Dave, what are we drinking? Uh, I know this is a a golden Belgian ale from our good buddy Mike, who uh, happened to leave it in our fridge, and uh, his uh, storage fees got too much, so we just had to drink it.
0: Yeah, it's an Off-Color Brewing's Jerk Bird. Uh, um, it's a Belgian-style golden ale, 9.5% alcohol. And uh, this is a cool company, Off-Color Brewing in Chicago, Illinois. We've had other Off-Color stuff on the show. I like it. So tell me, it's called Jerk Bird? Yeah.
1: And uh, the bird is, the picture on the front is a bird taking a selfie with a selfie stick. So, it, you know, that bird is a jerk. Definitely.
0: Sternus Vulgaris. Well, why don't you tell me what you're most excited about, you know, leading up into the regular season and how you kind of uh, uh, go about your next few weeks and then we can break into the show.
1: Uh, Well, definitely I am ready for, um, you know just all of the leagues to start. I am two-time champion in a league. I'm very anxious to get into that draft and to get that league going. But I think I'll be in probably the same number, like five, six, seven leagues again this year like I have been in years past. So that's a lot uh, to get straight in August. So I'm looking forward over the next week or two to doing a bunch of mock drafts. Uh, My favorite site to do that on is fantasyfootballcalculator.com, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Check it out. Uh, do some mock drafts. Kind of hone your uh, feel for where players should be going in the draft. Uh, you know, try to get that value-based drafting, uh, drafting strategy in place for this year. Because every year, like you know, where all the tiers are going to fall and everything are very different. So, uh, right now is the time to start researching all that stuff. Um, even if you've only got one or two drafts, you should always look into this stuff just because you know you want to be able to do the best you can. The you know, the most help you can give yourself early on in the draft uh, is going to pay off down the line. One of the things I was looking at uh, doing research was where people uh, finished the season with, in terms of like um, how many players were on your team that you had drafted. So, uh, in our Drink Five League, my team ha- looked terrible. It was a bad team, but uh, I only had like a couple of players that I had drafted in high rounds still on my team. And there was a lot of uh, teams where I would say at least everyone had five or six free agents, players that they had picked up throughout the year on their team. Um, and a lot of people, you know, only the very best teams still had their like one, two, three, four, five, six round players. You know, a lot of teams had to go through a lot of turnover with, you know, high quality players. And that happens every year. You know, high draft picks, they don't produce, they get injured. There's all kinds of reasons why they won't uh, work out for you.
0: Sure. And, uh, and as you said, each, each new season sort of brings along its own sets of do's and don'ts because things are changing not only schematically in the NFL when a lot of head coaches, um, if they see something new working, they'll kind of all go and gravitate towards that new kind of scheme or play calling. Uh, but also your specific league, uh, the specific rules that you play by, and then the draft inclination of the players within the league sometimes you'll know that a certain person uses a certain website's draft guide, or more specifically, uh, this guy always drafts tight ends and quarterbacks, you know, high or something like that. So you can use that knowledge that you know about that team, much like they do in the NFL in the actual draft. Um, Those scouts are all over the place, and, and God knows people like Bill Belichick and And the whole Patriots organization got in trouble for over-scouting, scouting scouting beyond just those college players, but also the NFL teams themselves as far as what they were going to do. But um, at least in our leagues... (laughs)
1: Over-scouting, it's a very generous way of putting
0: that there's no penalty in any of the leagues that i play in for overscouting so feel free to belichick your way into uh you know those players lives and, and computers <laughs> you're gonna videotape them doing mock drafts oh you know you can you can uh like install some key loggers on their system or like you know have your friend bring over his laptop email him.
1: dave at drink5.com for questions about that no no i i <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm just kidding of course we wouldn't ever recommend anything like that um but the know your enemy Yeah, exactly. The the be-all end-all of drafting is not just your strategy, but knowing who you're drafting with and knowing how the league has changed over that last span of time. So uh, this show is all about how to identify those things and use them to your advantage, hopefully to win, of course. But, you know, there are uh, other opportunities you can get yourself into. There's a lot of keeper leagues where you might not necessarily need to win, but you could still get yourself in a good position for next year. Um, a lot You of, always
1: need to win, Dave, come on.
0: A lot of leagues have second or third place or even fourth as, uh, you know, payouts. Sure. And the idea, of course, of any organized sport, whether it be, um, uh, you know, golf or, or tennis or fantasy football, which I, I think is uh, the hobbyist sport, but it's still a sport to me um, because there's so much involved with it, uh, is is to win. Sure. So that's what we're trying to get you to do here. And we're going to have a lot of tips on different strategies and, like Jason mentioned as well, the ADPs of those players from last year and this year and how that's going to matter to you uh, when you're at your drafts. But first, we're going to go over some offseason moves and some really important things that happened Uh, In 2016, I know many of you might just be tuning in now to the NFL uh, network and uh, to watching ESPN or reading the sports page about uh, all these NFL teams that have gone through changes in the past. Every year, we love to see all the players that have moved around, uh, you know, guys who are on one team that, that you never thought would get there like James Jones as of today is a charger. And that's just, it's just odd how these players move around. Like
1: yeah, that. you know, it's a shame he won't have any success because he only is good in Green Bay and only in the first half of the season.
0: <laughs> well, he may end up getting a couple of reps out there because of what happened to Stevie Johnson. A lot of people are saying he might be gone for half or more of the entire season. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, I mean he's he's not going to be of the piece that makes uh, Philip Rivers uh, the amazing quarterback this year. He's not <laughs> not gonna, likely. He's not going to be the last Lego that completes the uh, Millennium Falcon life size. Besides,
1: you can't really wear a hoodie every week in San Diego. It's <laughs> well, not practical.
0: That's the more interesting thing, I guess, is what happens with the hoodie, right?
1: Sure. I mean, you know, you wear a hoodie, you you catch a touchdown. It's yep. easy as that for James Jones.
0: So uh, Fitzpatrick signs with the Jets. This happened recently. He got a one-year $12 million contract, which is what he wanted. Uh, it looked like the, the Jets wanted to sign him for two years uh, or for three years. Aren't they offering him, like, way, way less than that at first? Like, here's $7 million, Ryan. Well, they, they didn't want to give him a one-year contract at all. They wanted to give him, like, a two-year contract for, you know, $15 million or something like that.
1: Right. Yeah,
0: seven and a half a year is, like, ridiculous for that guy. they were moving it up, and he didn't want to have the two-year contract. He wanted to have an opportunity to do really well so he could still go back and make some money. And I understand from him, right? Like, the, the Jets' passing offense was really good last year. They have the same components... There's no real reason why they shouldn't do good this year. I
1: agree. I think that they will do well this year. Marshall and Decker were excellent
0: last year. So Fitzpatrick being the smart guy that he is, uh, you know, I think he wants to prove to the world that he has a good shot at being one of the top backs or quarterbacks again. Um, And if he can be a top 10, top 12 quarterback, then he'll get paid next year.
1: Yeah. I mean, Marshall and Decker were both guys who were really underdrafted last year. So if you wound up with them on your team, you probably did well. Uh, Marshall was the 24th wide receiver taken, and Decker was the 39th.
0: Well, Decker gets undervalued every single year. And they wound year. up being,
1: uh, finishing the year 3rd and ninth at the position.
0: Yeah, I feel like... And uh, you're right,
1: Decker does get undervalued every year.
0: I feel like people think he's like this grizzled veteran, but really he's only, what, like 27 years old or something like that?
1: <laughs> Who, Eric Decker? Yeah.
0: Sure. Well, like, oh, he's been playing forever, and you're like, well, not really, actually. He's
1: just been catching passes from like Peyton Manning. Yeah. It makes makes a man old.
0: So, yeah, I I think that the Jets will do just as good, if not better, this year. They do have some extra components. um, And besides that, everything with them is pretty much the same as it was. But they are in a tough division. And, of course, they have to battle the likes of the Patriots, which is always tough.
1: Uh, Yeah, have fun with that, guys.
0: Uh, Arian Foster signed with the Dolphins. and, And so what happened earlier in the year is that he... Didn't want to sign with any teams until he gave himself a clean bill of, of, of health, and until
1: Doctor Foster checked him out.
0: Well, we know Arian Foster, uh, you know, from his online escapades, and he's an intelligent guy too. He's kind of a funny guy. Follow him on uh, on Twitter. He's funny, um, but I think it's good. He's a he's a guy that he he wanted to make sure he could give one hundred percent, right. And, and so the cool thing about him signing with the Dolphins is that they just got rid of, well, they let Lamar Miller go, and then Jay Ajayi, who was their, like, looking like he would be their number one guy, just had another knee injury to his other knee, because I guess he had one in college uh, previously, and it doesn't look good for him to be a very stable, um, you know conventional back in the NFL. And so they're installing Foster right away as the number one back, and we know that he'll be great. But... The question is, how long will he be good for? So if you draft him, is he going to be around for six weeks and then uh, be taken, <laughs> taken to the emergency room with some kind of a fracture or, or a groin pole or something? And for the Dolphins in general, uh, now that they have two guys on their, on their staff that both don't seem to be very healthy all the time, they're going to have some serious problems. I would, wouldn't be uh, surprised if they try to pick up some more depth at the position.
1: They have to. Uh, Ajayi is still being held out of practice, yeah. They, they have to pick someone up. Uh, there...
0: How about the Rams?
1: Oh, I'm pretty excited for the Rams. They've got uh, Jared Goff, of course. Um, he looks pretty good. Um, but they have relocated uh, for, to Los Angeles from St. Louis. Um, and it seemed like that was going to happen right over the last few years. Mm-hmm. We even made the bet about them moving to London. Um, but, hey... Uh, So uh, how will the move affect the team? I think that um, at first it's going to have a positive effect. It's going to uh, cause them all to be brought together. They're having training camp out there. They're already together as a team. Everyone has to move out there, so everyone kind of is in the same boat. Uh, But I think it will wear on them uh, towards the end of the year um, as they're not kind of used to being on the West Coast, being a West Coast team, traveling very far for road trips, uh, thankfully, they're in the NFC West, so now all those trips out to Seattle, uh, in San Francisco, in Arizona are you know a lot better.
0: Yeah, the teams have to travel about half the distance that they previously did in order to get to them. So,
1: right, but now for them to play anybody else on the East Coast, they have to go all the way. You know, it's very far for them. Sure, to play anybody else away. So y- you know what? Maybe maybe it is better uh, in terms of traveling because that is three games that are a lot closer for them now. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, You know, I think it's going to help them at first and it's going to hinder them throughout like the end of the season, you know, until they really establish LA as their home and have their own stadium and stuff like that. I think that uh, it's still going to be a bit of a transition to, you know, work on.
0: One of the places that I, I like to hang out and just see what the conversation is, is brewing about is uh, the fantasy football subreddit on reddit.com. And it used to be kind of a secret, like a lot of the subreddits on Reddit, but, you know, say I've been there for seven or eight years, and that's not even as long as they've been they've been around. But nowadays, everybody knows about that website, and every junior high and high school student is on that website. So it's becoming a huge community of, of hundreds of thousands of people. And uh, when news comes out, it happens um, like almost immediately um, simultaneously on, uh, Twitter and on, on Reddit and on Facebook and, and on Roto World, World and, yeah. and everything now. It's funny that it used to be like RotoWorld, World, if you were there, you would know the news like a day before everyone else did. But now everybody has access to all of these sources. So you got to find something else. You got to find some quicker way of finding the news, et cetera. You have to follow those actual people on Twitter. So look for an article later this season on which particular people to follow I'm talking like beat reporters
1: and local people who will tell you who will know things sooner.
0: Yeah, because that's where these other people get the news from. Oh, totally. So the going to the source is the best way to do it. Anyway, my point is that last year and the year before and, and almost every year after Josh Gordon uh, scored his back-to-back 200-yard games, he has just been looked at as this guy who's going to come in and, and save your fantasy team and and win it for you. And, you know, last year when he came back, not much happened. And a lot of that could be blamed on the Cleveland Browns organization and and state of the game.
1: That was hyped almost as much as Clegane Bowl. Right. And both of them wound up disappointing.
0: Um, But he's coming back again. It looks like uh, he'll miss the first four games, but he will be back in uniform. And he's only 25 years old. So when you look at this kind of situation, you have to think to yourself, well, you know, if he really is turning it around, then he will be the featured guy in that offense. And there's no reason to think that, like, you know, a guy that has done so well before would suddenly just be poor. Um, last year, he he had a really tough time, but he had not played in the NFL then for, what, a year and a half or something like that? So- um,
1: yeah, I mean, it had been a long time. Uh, he had uh, no games last year, five games the year before, but 16 and 14 games before that, so... You know, in the year that he did really well, um, his quarterback was Jason Campbell. Yeah, and exactly. And Brandon Whedon. So it doesn't and Brian Hoyer.
0: He doesn't need to have an awesome quarterback. He just needs to be the focal point of the offense. So I'm still thinking that this could be a very undervalued guy. But the problem is, he has such a sordid history that, like, it's difficult to grab this guy at any reasonable round that you could take someone else. Uh, so I don't know. That's that's a really tough one. Sure,
1: but the. You know, one of the things that we always look at is how much uh, potential work is someone going to get. So in 2013, when he did really well, he had 14 games, 159 targets. So if somebody's going to be getting 11 to 12 targets per game, then you want them in your starting lineup anyways. So uh, if they're going to try and force feed in the ball, then I think that we're fine. And Josh Gordon is going to be productive, but maybe not your messiah.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, but I'm just saying everyone should be aware of this. It, this should not just drop into your lap as, oh, this Josh Gordon guy? I thought he wasn't playing anymore, and he ends up being like a top 15 receiver because he was one of the best receivers, if not the best receiver that year in 2013.
1: Right, Josh Gordon is definitely someone to pay attention to. There's another, there, wasn't there a Jacksonville receiver who keeps being out of football?
0: Uh, Out of football? Well, Marquise Lee? The White Tiger?
1: Marquise Lee? It doesn't sound right. I don't know. I you know sometimes these guys who get suspended over and over again they get lost to the winds of time. <laughs>
0: um, yeah. So Philadelphia Eagles has a, a sketchy quarterback situation, and we've talked about this previously. But this year, um, so last year they had Chip Kelly, and the year before, etc. They had one oh. of the one of the fastest pace uh, uh, passing offenses that are out there. They passed a whole bunch of times during the year, and that made players like uh, Jordan Matthews. Um, and, and Zach Ertz, these, these viable fantasy options that you could have on your team. Regardless of, of really how well the Eagles did, they were going to pass the ball a lot. Um, now they have uh, Doug Peterson, uh, who is their head coach, and he's more of a, of a running guy who wants to slow it down a little bit and, and pass less often. And so the problem is they're keeping Sam Bradford for a year, they just signed Chase Daniel to two or three years, and both of them to, like, 20 or $30 million contracts. Then they traded up to number two in the draft to draft Carson Wentz. So they have three guys that they're going to pay a bunch of money to that none of them right now are really the answer. And it's just a very— And they can only have one on, at a time. It's just a confusing situation. Yeah. So so really, I'm I'm— just suggesting that that for the most part people stay away from from this kind of a situation uh, for the Eagles right now, even in the backfield, because who knows if it's going to be a lot of Ryan Matthews or if it's going to be a bunch of Darren Sproles, and uh, uh, they just drafted a new running back. I I have no idea. (laughs) This is a tough situation. Yeah, that
1: is a very tough team to tell. Now, uh, throughout the preseason, especially, you know, if you're unfamiliar with the preseason, the third preseason game is generally the indicator of... Uh, what the team is going to look like week one they will be uh playing for at least the whole first half the starters that is Mm -hmm. uh, the first team if you will uh and usually maybe a series or two into the second half now um some teams have been treating uh preseason a little differently lately some guys sit out entire preseasons like arian uh adrian peterson um but recently i believe i read that uh chuck pagano or not pagano anymore um who's the coach in uh in indy now is it still pagano
0: I, I think so. I can check. Anyways,
1: the, the Colts are planning on playing their starters in the Hall of Fame game, which is probably only going to last for one or two series, but that's kind of rare, I believe. I don't think the starters usually even get in those games, that fifth preseason game.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's still, he's still the coach since 2012, and of course he had that health scare, but he's back In He had now. the health
1: scare, which allowed Bruce Arians to coach for him, which won Bruce Arians Coach of the Year and the Cardinals job.
0: Well, speaking of the Steelers, and I loved Bruce Arians when he was uh, when he was the coaching. Go see the Steelers, yeah. Yeah, he was fantastic there. And and you know what's funny with the Steelers is. Todd Haley's a guy we used to make fun of all the time when he was in the Kansas City Chiefs sidelines. What's up, bro? <laughs> and and even the first year when he coached the Steelers and him and Ben Roethlisberger were butting heads, and I was like, I, I don't think this guy's right. Like I, they don't understand what's going on. It was a bad year.
1: And then Ben threw seven touchdowns two weeks in a row. But now he's been doing <laughs> or six two weeks in a row. They've
0: been doing rather well. Man. Yeah, but the problem is. They've got issues, like the start of the last couple of years has been bad for the Steelers, and it's the same this year. Le'Veon Bell's got a four-game suspension that's up in the air, to be determined in the middle of, uh, of August, I guess. Martavis Bryant is out for the entire 2016 season due to failed drug tests repeatedly.
1: Now, I know you were a little optimistic on the hearing for Le'Veon Bell. Are you still feeling that way, or do you think it's probably going to be upheld? I don't
0: don't have enough information as an outsider. I don't think anybody does. But the idea is, if you haven't heard of the situation, that just very quickly, I think based on the pundits and the beat reporters, they're saying that if if Le'Veon Bell was to have changed his phone number during the off-season time and reported that information to the NFL uh, through whatever process it is that they use, uh, and then the people that drug test him... um, were not able to get in contact with him because they don't have the most updated information then it's the nfl's fault and there wouldn't be any issue but if Le'Veon bell had failed to go through the proper sources to update his phone number if he changed it and then that person still had trouble contacting him it becomes Le'Veon bell's fault but it would be so stupid if that was the case because he was also at the same time going through probation uh, for the DWI that he was involved in with... Um, uh, What's-his-face who's now back on the Patriots? Uh, uh, Blunt. 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 So because of that, he had to go through a number of drug tests anyway, and he passed all of those. So it's just bizarre that you know someone could not have the presence of mind to uh, go through one drug testing thing while they're already going through another drug testing thing. So he... W- was he getting tested at the same time as the missed tests for something else? This probation uh, forced him to get tested monthly or bimonthly for, for drugs. Yeah. And he passed all of that. So it's like, why would you do that? Why would you even do that? The NFL must be the best customer
1: of drug testing companies. Why would you even they do that? Just r-
0: drug test repeatedly, right? Over and over again. And what I've heard is that, like, if you're getting selected randomly for drug testing, they can do it over a period of like three weeks and test you like seven times if they
1: want. To. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Is that it's pretty intensive.
0: So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what know, the issue is, but it's not it's not beyond uh, my comprehension to think that Le'Veon Bell might just be uh, he might have just thought that he didn't have to deal with it because he was already doing drug tests and blah, blah, blah. Right?
1: No, no. I, I suspect that this will be one of the things that gets revisited in the next player contract because it, it, it's pretty overboard. And I think that the players would rather have a little bit more uh, common sense put into these
0: rules. Well, you know, the NFLPA would be like, well, you can't reach the player. Well, why don't you just call their coach or something?
1: Right, like, don't you have emergency <laughs> contacts for these people? There's like, some other way to reach like I, I, you know, run a much lower profile business and I have way more contact information than apparently these drug testing companies do.
0: Yeah. That's ridiculous. So, so he's out for four games maybe. We'll say the likelihood is above 50% based on what the news says right now. Martavis Bryant out for the 2016 season. Senquez Golson, who is a, a second-round draft pick from the Steelers, who is going to open up as like their slot corner, who was previously occupied by William Gay, who is one of only six people on the Steelers, and I'm only saying this, of course, because I'm a fan, uh, that were from their last championship team. They their team <laughs> their team has been basically completely revitalized, and they only have a couple guys now from that original championship. So they've really gone through a resurgence. Well, the
1: last one was against the Cardinals, right, in 2009. Yeah. That was the 08 season and early 09. So
0: seven years go by and their whole team is recycled except for six dudes. Uh, Among them are um, Ben and uh, and William Gay. But William Gay did not do very well in the past couple years, which is why I was really hoping a guy like Senquez could have stepped up. Anyway, he's only out for 12 weeks, so you're really looking at maybe... Gee, only
1: 12 weeks. 12 weeks from now? Yeah. So half the season.
0: Yeah, you're looking at probably eight weeks into the season, which means he'll probably be on Pup, uh, and he, he'll probably come back at, you know, let's say eight, nine, ten, something like that.
1: Well, hopefully the rookie can uh, get in there and make a difference in the second half of the season. I'm sure they're going to need it at that point, because, yeah, you know, other people will go down.
0: And so there's a lot of other teams, too, that are going through similar situations, like the Cincinnati Bengals, who have Burfecht, who's suspended. Uh you just, you can't you can't start the season like that. you got to really get it together, and... I hope that they can do that.
1: The guy who couldn't get it together that I couldn't remember earlier? Justin Blackman oh, from Blackman. the Jaguars.
0: Yeah, he's yeah. gone from football pretty yes, much. Yes, I think so. <laughs> uh, Eddie Lacy, who was doing P90X with the founder of P90X, Tony Horton, all off season, has apparently gotten back in really good shape. And he's another underrated guy that I think could easily, on like this new healthy Packers team with Aaron Rodgers in his prime, Jordy Nelson in the twilight years of, of his uh, prime, uh, but basically, a Packers team that's going to score a lot of points. Eddie Lacy's going to be the main guy. He could definitely be a top-five running back this year, and no one's going to draft him in the first round.
1: There's no way the Packers have worse luck and worse injuries than they did last year. There's always and a way. they were still very good. There's always a way that could happen. I mean, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, if probably are The odds won't. are highly stacked against that.
0: They probably won't They happen. will be healthier.
1: They will have better luck. Although, I mean, I guess you could say they had a lot of luck. They had two incredible Hail Mary touchdowns last year. Mm -hmm. One of them in a win, one of them in a loss, but still.
0: Yeah. Uh, Tell us about uh, the situation with Peyton Manning and Denver and uh, Houston.
1: So Brock Osweiler was traded to Houston. Uh, Houston paid him a lot of money once they got him. I think he got... uh, uh, five years, sixty million dollars, something like that. So right away, Ryan Fitzpatrick money over the long term.
0: Yeah, he uh, got f- uh, four years for seventy-two million. Oh,
1: geez, that's way more than I
0: thought. Well, quarterbacks get paid a lot this past couple years. Some of them do. I was,
1: I still think that twelve for Fitzpatrick was a little low. But anyways, I digress. Brock Osweiler has a lot to prove in Houston because he has that huge contract. Um, that's what
0: eighteen million a year. That's crazy. He wasn't traded by the way. He was a free agent. They let him walk.
1: Oh well, okay, not not traded, but at the same time, like I believe they would have a chance to sign him at you know roughly the same amount, um and they don't really you know in Denver have anybody to replace him uh right now, Mark Sanchez looks like he's the leader. The two rookies are uh so far behind that I can't possibly see Gary Kubiak starting uh one of the rookie quarterbacks well Paxton in Denver
0: Paxton Lynch is uh, a lot of people say he'll get starts this year. Um, uh, but we'll see. But he's, because
1: Mark Sanchez is the only other option, a career butt fumbler.
0: Well, I I agree with you. But I I always think about Mark Sanchez as uh you know being a rookie and being a sophomore in the NFL, going to the AFC Championship, not doing really that badly at all, and he had a good defense. So now he's with a team in the Broncos that have a great defense. Uh, good wide receivers and a decent running a Good back. offense it's cer- and a great defense. It's certainly possible that he's a way better quarterback for them than Peyton Manning was I, last year. I, I
1: don't think it's hard to say that it's the best defense in the NFL.
0: Yeah, well, it's got to be. Mark Sanchez this year is a better quarterback than Peyton Manning was last year. That I, I would say and that. And
1: yes, it's not going to take much to match the quarterback play of last year. <laughs> now, Brock Osweiler did go 5 and 2 when he replaced Peyton Manning and he beat the. Uh, he beat the Patriots on Sunday Night Football in Denver, but he beat the Patriots. So, you know, his uh, big contract isn't entirely unwarranted. Houston now has to focus on hooking him up with DeAndre Hopkins, hooking him up with the new uh, wide receivers. Who are the new guys on the team? I know you drafted one of them. You drafted all of them uh-huh. in your dynasty, in the Dynasty League. Like, literally, you drafted all of them. Uh, and they also picked it's- up Lamar Miller the, at running back to replace Arian Foster, who they didn't want to really have anything else to do with
0: right it's it's funny you know you're right you mentioned that so in, in our dynasty league of course we have a we have a rookie draft each year right and uh, i already had on uh, on houston
1: you already had Jalen Strong from last year.
0: Yeah, which there's been good news from him actually coming out that he's been uh, more athletic and, and, and doing better. It, funny stats on that guy, right? He also got two touchdowns last year on Hail Marys, and he was only out there for, like I think, a total of four receptions, which means <laughs> he's got a 50% touchdown ratio right now. Which he was is... looking like David Johnson for just a minute there. <laughs> so doing pretty good. Um, but yeah, so the, the wide receivers that they that they ended up drafting... Um I want
1: to see Will Fuller in the first round.
0: Uh, yeah, so so uh, Will Fuller is a guy who looks like he's going to step up right away to take that position if Jalen can't because their other guy, Cecil Shorts, is like constantly injured, getting older. I do like we Cecil. We will drink to Cecil. That's a rule here. On the we show. haven't gotten a Cecil Shorts in a while. Yeah, drink five every time Cecil Shorts comes up, which is going to be for a while longer, I <sighs> hopefully. I hope his career can last a couple more years. Yeah, definitely. Mm. And then. Uh, the inimitable Braxton Miller And Braxton Miller is a guy that uh, our our uh, rookie expert Sean Foss has mentioned a lot And then uh, his brother Vince, who used to be a part of Drink Five as well Because I think he's from Michigan State, but I'm not absolutely sure Anyway, he was a quarterback And he's like a, a gadgety guy because he's a quarterback, wide receiver, like a, a fast Buckeye. guy Ohio He's a Buckeye But so he's like a, a slashy kind of player, you know? Right, so he'll do a bunch of crazy stuff, and I'm really hoping that that's going to happen because you know last year we saw a couple of Cecil shorts, uh, like crazy touchdowns and people you know running out of the He threw a, a touchdown. touchdown. He ran in a touchdown. So Houston's not afraid to mess around a little bit. So I think we'll see some Braxton Miller out there. No, but, I like Bob. But the guys that you're going lo- to The guys who you're going to look for to actually step up and have a role are probably uh, uh, Jalen Strong and Will Fuller. So one of those guys will end up being the number two. And Cecil Shorts will probably fall to the number three wide receiver.
1: Uh, yeah, I totally see that being the case. He'll be the utility guy. He'll be the third down guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but DeAndre Hopkins will be there to take the top off the defense and catch you know 80 to 100 passes a year.
0: Yeah, he's awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's fun watching him. And then Tom Brady, he's going to be suspended the first four games. He's not going to appeal anymore. The deflate gate case is finally over. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is standing in for him. He's going to play four games. Um, ask Bill Belichick if he's going to play a fifth game. If there's any way he could possibly play a fifth game, and he says, Jesus Christ, no. <laughs> well, that's just I thought that be. that was excellent. Um, so, count on Jimmy Garoppolo the first four games. I think that um, certainly in a two-quarterback league, he's probably worth starting, if only because the Patriots' offense is always good. It's always effective. Um, it's going to work. We saw that when Matt Castle took over for Brady. Um, so, you know, have Tom Brady after that because he was the number two quarterback last year, but uh, I think Garoppolo is serviceable in replacing him.
0: to end on Tom Brady. I hope that doesn't happen in the uh, NFL season though.
1: That this season ends on Tom Brady? <laughs> yeah, it's happened enough times for me. Oh, so, someone, else, someone new get it.
0: So let's get to some meat and potatoes here. So uh, I'm going to pour myself a beer. I've got three PBRs here. I plan on drinking all of them if I can get to it. So what I'm thinking about doing is drinking one PBR uh, sort of uh, per, little per draft strategy? Little thought that I have here. Okay. And th- remember, there are a lot of draft strategies that you could put into motion for your team in 2016. But we're going to talk about the ones that I think are um, that make the most sense to us. Uh, because we talked last year, if you want to look out for that particular article, I think you can look up draft strategies and drink five on Google and pull that up. And we talk about some some things that you could do during your draft that uh, aren't good ideas in our opinion. And of course, why would we waste a whole bunch of time talking about things that we don't think are going to actually result in, in having a good team? We're not going to. Uh, so I'm gonna start right away with a strategy that's always been good. Uh, it's what a lot of people use in the actual NFL itself and that's just called best overall. So regardless of how many Strategies there are out there. This will always be a good option and what that means is all you have to do And this is probably the simplest one and the one in which most people that play fantasy employ uh, Because they're not you know very Straightly put they are not smart enough to on the fly come up with uh, Opinions on these players and react to what's happening around them Uh, Whether that be because they're drinking too much during a draft or because they just don't have that uh, you know that that knowledge about the players and about the stuff that they haven't specifically looked at—it's um, always a good option. So what you do is you you either create for yourself your own overall rankings or you select one from someone you trust, like Drink Five Ratings or the Fantasy Pros Consensus rank- Rankings or um, you know rankings at FF Today or. Uh, You can even look at ADP somewhere. I know some people that draft based on ADP, which is kind of weird, but it it really turns out to be a very similar situation. Um, Anyway, uh, taking the best player available at all times from an overall list is what I would call best overall. And that just straight down is going to give you a pretty good team. Regardless of whether or not you uh, draft too many running backs or whatever, you know, you can always trade off some of those guys to get players from whatever position you want. Technically, if you trade uh, well later in the season or, or you know even later that night, you're going to have a better spot than that player you're you can trading even with.
1: Trade picks if you wanted. If sure. you don't want a pick in the uh, the first few guys, then try and trade it and grab a you know upgrade another round pick later on in the draft.
0: Yeah, so it's not a good idea to draft, to trade one of your first or second round picks, for example, but I've seen some people successfully trade like a third round pick for an extra fourth uh, and fifth, which would give them a lot of depth in the middle positions. Absolutely. Uh, And that's what people will do in the actual draft too.
1: And I think that that may actually help out with the best overall, because sometimes when you're looking at a best overall, you're just... You know your eyes are glued to the top of your sheet, and it, it may fall to a guy that you don't like, or every once in a while a guy gets left behind. You know, uh, everyone starts skipping him and stuff, and then you may feel compelled to draft him, but it may be the wrong decision.
0: Well, know. no, not not in this strategy. That is the decision to make. It, well, I understand, but, but if you're
1: trading away your pick, then you're kind of giving yourself an out.
0: Yes, uh, but but if you're doing best overall, then, then you don't know how to draft. And so you probably shouldn't be deciding uh, if you want okay. a guy or don't want a Fair guy. Fair enough, right? Because because that's, that's overall is
1: the simplest strategy out
0: there. Because that's not someone who is picking between players or making tiers. That's someone who's just getting a uh, a ranking sheet overall by someone that they trust or at least uh, know that's not absolutely horrible. Uh, and they're just ESPN. they're just drafting those players, and that's it. <laughs> so, like I said, you can look at if you're doing a best overall, and you look and you know a little bit more. than your your average drafter. You still wanna do that for convenience, for example, which is fine. I mean, I've done it before, for example, when there's just no time to prep for that draft and you just wanna take good players and not have to worry that much about it. Well, you can still make decisions within there. But if you're someone who doesn't know about all the intricacies of the draft, um, how the other people in your draft are going to perform and um, about like the depth charts and the latest news, you should just take a recently updated set of rankings and draft from it.
1: That's smart. That's good advice. You know, for for
0: beginners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So let's talk about uh, zero running back. So a lot of writers have done pieces on the zero running back strategy. A whole bunch of people have even said they created it, but ultimately, uh, according to uh, the consensus of the internet, it was pioneered by a guy at RotoViz named uh, Sean C. Gel or or Siegel, Siegel uh, as I, I think it's pronounced. And the idea is basically that going running back heavy has been this fixture of, of uh, fantasy drafts forever, right? There's been a million fantasy drafts where the, the advice has been go running back, running back, running back. And when I first started playing fantasy years ago, I had a similar outlook because that's what I looked at. Those were the sites that gave me that advice. They said, you're not going to be able to get running backs later that are the bell cow, uh, in parentheses, of their team. The guys that are getting, you know, 20 carries a game. You're not gonna be able to get them later because they'll all be gone in the first three rounds. So if you don't draft them then, you'll never get them. And they're right. They're right when they say that. And this is one of the things that prevents a lot of people from actually going zero running back because they're afraid. Because once they get into rounds three, four, five, they're like, well, there's a guy who still gets some carries. I need to take him, I need to take him. What am I doing, gotta take him. But, using this strategy, that's not correct. Um, you should not take those guys until I think the eighth, eighth round or lower, um, something like that. Anyway, this is setting up your team so that everyone understands it, to steadily improve as the season goes on, and gambling against the injury risks that occur more often with running backs than wide receivers. Because the running backs touch the ball more often, and they're right next to the defensive line. And so they're, they're more exposed, and they're, uh, the big hits they take are more frequent. So they, and they touch
1: the ball more than anyone else.
0: I mentioned that. Yeah, they, they get injured more often. The quarterback touches the ball more than anyone else, I would say. Sure. But, but yes. Or, or the center touches
1: the ball the most, I guess. Well, <laughs> well, the difference between the
0: quarterback and the running back is the quarterback backs up behind the line. The running back goes forward into there's the There's all kinds of line. rules
1: about, you know, how you can tackle the quarterback and stuff. Yeah, with the running back it's you know, as soon as you're going forward, you're fair game.
0: So what we should focus on here is it sets up your team to improve throughout the season because if you're not drafting running backs early, you're drafting wide receivers, which is what I would suggest. And even if they start off the season slowly, they will steadily improve, whereas the running backs are more likely to either be injured and off your team. Or uh, or kind of get worn down towards the end of the season,
1: right? Running backs really uh, like last year. The first ten taken in the draft were almost all garbage. Like when you look at the how they finished the year, mm-hmm. and it's it's sad to say that Le'Veon Bell, Jamal Charles, Marshawn Lynch were all
0: awful picks, but it's the truth. So. So a team that drafts running back heavy in the first few rounds could start off strong with that performance but not be able to get over the midseason or the playoff hump when the injury sees, uh, issues pile up and then the players start to get more worn down. But the wide receivers, for the most part, that's not true. Of course, there can be some torn ACLs. Of course, there could be a broken foot. You know, But it doesn't happen as often uh, based on uh, a lot of the research that I've seen out there. Right. And in fact, looking at statistics from past years, Uh, It's common like you said that the top running backs at the end of the season are not even close to the top running backs That were drafted and looking at some research uh, By one uh, website, which is a a paid membership website I recommend it because John Paulson is one of the guys behind it and he's been one of the top fantasy experts on fantasy pros for a long time for years running and to do that it takes uh, it takes a really good algorithm so uh, props to him Anyway, they did some research, and they found out that less than half of the running backs drafted in the top 10 in the last five years ended up providing top 10 value. So <laughs> you have a less than 50% chance of drafting someone in the top 10 that's going to end up in the top 10, and that's not true with wide receivers. You have a greater than 50% chance, and I don't have the exact stats, and of course that also depends on your league scoring, etc., but suffice to say that it is true and it has been proven that wide receivers are a more consistently good pick in the first round or two than running backs.
1: Definitely. They definitely are. Um, Wide receivers, you know, the first round last year, there's only two wide receivers in the ADP of the top ten. And I believe one of those guys did finish in the top ten of his position. But, you know, there were seven running backs, one quarterback, two wide receivers. Of those ten top ten ADP people only three of them finished in the top 10
0: can we go over them specifically sure um, so
1: the overall ADP what we had was Adrian Peterson who finished second at his position very good that's totally worth uh, the, the number one pick if you can pick a guy that you're assured will be at least number two overall I think you pick him first every every year
0: of course you can't
1: of course. But you're Um,
0: but you're right. If you were able to pick that running back that did make the top ten, then that would be a better pick usually than a wide receiver.
1: Right. So the next four guys were all running backs. So the top five picks were all running backs: Le'Veon Bell, Eddie Lacy, Jamal Charles, Marshawn Lynch. Eddie Lacy had the best year, finishing twenty fifth at the position. So um, you know there there was little to no value in there. And those are all guys who are going to be drafted. Uh, early, uh, other than Marshawn, who's not in the league anymore, who are going to be drafted in the first or second round this year anyways. Um, but other people are going to draft them, see, because you are going to stick with wide receivers to start out with. So Antonio <laughs> Brown, ADP of six. He was the number one wide receiver last year. Uh, and then you had Des Bryant, who uh, had injury, so that was his big problem.
0: I do want to say that Eddie Lacy is currently a third-round ADP pick. Which I don't believe, but that's okay. what currently is. Okay, but you're right. For the for is that. Jamal
1: Charles still up there in the first two rounds?
0: For the most part, uh, Jamal Charles. I do have this open. Yeah, his ADP is 16 currently, so he's uh, Jamal Charles. He's very much in the in the second round.
1: Um, so Des Bryant finished 75th in his position, but he was out for most of the year. Um, the, then we have Matt Forte, who finished ninth in his position. His ADP was eight, so that's you know decent value. I think Matt Forte has been one of the safest. Uh, Picks over the last, who knows how many years. Not anymore, Five, six years. Now it's a lot more sketchy with him being on the Jets, so that whole situation is different. Uh, Andrew Luck was ADP of nine. We always say draft quarterbacks late. Andrew Luck was, on average, drafted in the first round. Uh, He finished 27th for quarterbacks because of injury, because of ineffectiveness. Um, Quarterbacks are actually
0: the most volatile position we were just talking about this earlier right and, and my my insider input into this is is just that last year for example there there were there were probably 20 24 quarterbacks that that were very decent on a week to week basis depending on the matchup and so most people that are experts or professionals in the in the fantasy world will tell you That you either draft, like we said, like a running back. You draft a number one guy, like a Cam Newton or an Andrew Luck or an Aaron Rodgers, hoping that he will be the number one guy at the end of the season, right? Or at least top three. Or you wait until the end of the draft and you just pick a couple guys or one guy to go with, and then you just, you know, every single week you pick a new guy.
1: Now what happens, just, you know, bear with me for a second, if this theory takes on for a whole draft and you have, you know maybe the the fourth or fifth quarterback um uh, available in the you know maybe you can pick up uh Russell Wilson in like the 7th round are you going to do that if nobody is seriously picking like Cam Newton and Aaron Rodgers go and then that's it
0: no i i'm going to take running backs and wide receivers uh or wide receivers and running backs um and other positional players before i'm going to take a quarterback unless I, I'm gambling the house on a on a guy who could win it all. So, in other words, I don't think that Russell Wilson or uh, Eli Manning or or Philip Rivers or Jameis Winston or any of these guys that are in the middle are going to end up, you know, being the best ever. And I, I mean, I love the Steelers, for example. Ben Roethlisberger has ended up in the top five uh, recently, and he's he's definitely up there as, as one of those top guys to pick. Still, I'm I'm not I'm not interested. I'm not buying. Easily, you know, Drew Brees could be the number one guy. Philip Rivers could be the number one guy. Eli Manning could be the number one guy. Uh, even one of these Tom new- Brady could be the number one guy. Yeah, but there's no way to tell. Exactly, and there's too many good quarterbacks.
1: Right, and there's so many good quarterbacks that you don't have to take them early. Our, this changes if you have a two quarterback league, but for a one quarterback league, you know,
0: because the value and perspective changes. Because absolutely, the, because there, there's not enough to go around. It
1: becomes, it goes from being. A, Embarrassment of riches to almost scarcity, because with two quarterbacks you want to start two every week, and
0: you want to have a third as
1: a backup, and then there goes all of the starters.
0: Well, the it league. is the scarcity. So I, so for in a regular league, you don't, in, in our opinion, you don't take a quarterback
1: until maybe you have all of your, you know, all of your running backs, wide receivers, and
0: tight ends filled. Yeah. Well, I don't think that we should talk. And it shouldn't be an absolute. In terms of like, you should fill it up, and then you get the other positions. You should really just take a quarterback like probably before the other people are taking backup quarterbacks. Like they shouldn't even take <laughs> they shouldn't even take backup quarterbacks. But but they will in a lot of leagues. Probably fifty percent of leagues, guys are going to take two quarterbacks because they feel like they have to for some reason. You know that's the only position in which you only have you only have one of them, and there's not like a, a, a scarcity there, like you said. Like tight right. tight end, for example. There's a there's other guys you could you could. Uh, you could pick up? Well, not not really. After the first 10 or 12, that's all there really is. That's true. That's true. But quarterbacks, are, they go on until, like let's say, 22 or something. Then they get kind of bad.
1: Quarterbacks <laughs> go deep. Matt Ryan was like the 19th best quarterback last year.
0: Yeah, and Matt Ryan's ADP is probably ridiculous this year. But he
1: scored more points than... or He was like four points behind Antonio Brown, who was the highest scoring non-quarterback in the league. I see. So he was right there with the very best player at other positions.
0: And Matt Ryan's ADP is in the 16th round right now.
1: So he's essentially not being drafted as a backup.
0: Exactly. <laughs> so you could easily take a guy like that and not even have to worry because, let's be honest, I mean, the the Falcons will probably improve a little bit from what they did uh, last year, and they have Julio Jones on their team. And
1: Tyrod Taylor, who had a great year last year, his ADP is 141.
0: Yeah, and a lot, round. a lot of people think that Tyrod Taylor might end up being the number one quarterback this year overall.
1: It's a possibility. He has the uh, you know potential, the ceiling.
0: So, so that just goes to show you um, how for for quarterbacks, for example, there are so many that you don't need to get hung up on taking your Cam Newton or your Aaron Rodgers. You don't even need to, to take a guy like Drew Brees in the middle of the road or Ben Roethlisberger. Those are
1: probably the worst because that's when uh, you're going to get the best value for some of your... You know, to fill out your WR3 or your RB2, you can't be wasting it on a Ben Roethlisberger.
0: Yeah, these quarterbacks are going to score more points than any of those guys, even if they're not great quarterbacks. So. What you want to do is to fill up the positions where they have the highest drop-off. And we talked about this last year. There's there's a whole bunch in, in that uh, kind of a strategy to talk about as well. But I'm not going to get into that this year. If you're interested, you can go out there and look at the value over replacement or, you know, uh, VORP or, or value over. Uh, there's a lot of different ones like that. So where, this is
1: almost like a, a zero quarterback strategy? Well, you can... Well,
0: Yes, in fact, you should probably just draft wide receivers until you can't take it anymore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fifth round comes around, I guess I'll look at another position.
0: Yeah, um, but, but yeah, there's a lot of places you can go look at these uh, value over strategies, but the problem with those is you have to break them down into actual statistics and numbers, and each player has a number, and you can't possibly uh, like project that into the next year because so much has changed. There is
1: far too many variables to keep track in your head.
0: So this could be a year, for example, where the top three quarterbacks are way better than the other quarterbacks. That happens. It just hasn't happened in a long time. So we have to look at the trends and say, this is what's happening. Quarterbacks are really good in the NFL, and they're unpredictable. Therefore, do not draft a top quarterback. That's not a good strategy. Running backs get injured a lot, you know, and... And yes, they can have amazing seasons, but they get injured a lot. Like uh, Statistically, probably among the the most of any position. So if that's the case, you really shouldn't draft them early because they're going to get replaced a lot.
1: And I think that those are some of the positions that coaches are more likely uh, to replace you. Like, I mean, when a wide receiver gets the ball in their hands, they have a chance to put up lots of points. It's more on the talent of the player. But a lot of times, the running back is subject to whatever scheme they're in. So, if their offensive line isn't getting pushed, then only the very best guys are going to be able to turn that around.
0: So, let's talk about a sort of a, an expansion on the zero running back theory, which is called contingency based drafting. Um, there is this author and a former day trader named Nassim Taleb who came up with a term for this. Um, now, bear with me here. Um, this is a term called anti fragility, and that means something that uh, benefits from chaos. And the idea, I guess, was that what is the opposite of something that is fragile? Um, because that's something that could break and cause a loss of things. So the, the opposite of fragile uh, and fragile is not uh, resiliency It'd or be durability. Or durability. That's not the opposite. The opposite is something that actually gets you beneficial things. Okay. That, that not only uh, doesn't break, but gives you a benefit, but gets stronger. So the best idea, according to him, uh, according to his philosophy, anyway, to, to draft a team is to build it so that injuries that happen throughout the league to everyone's players, because this will happen every single year. This is a uh, this is something that will happen. It is something that absolutely happens every year, many times. Uh, I wonder if there's It'd be a be really
1: creepy if uh, there were no injuries in the NFL. Is there a
0: stat out there about like how many uh, how many players? are injured every every season, like real injuries, like game-missing game, game missing injuries? I wonder. It's probably a huge number. So the idea of this anti-fragility uh, team uh, means that you're built so that no matter what happens, your team actually gets better or doesn't struggle at all because we talked about this earlier. Running backs touch the ball more than wide receivers. You don't draft them because they're more likely to be blown up in a play and then get injured and not play anymore for that year, right? It's just common sense, kind of. Uh, Running backs are also more replaceable. We just talked about that as well. So their counterparts, whether they be part of a committee or they're the guy who's the backup or they're the guy who's sitting there as a free agent, when those guys come into a team, with some uh, exceptions, an average running back or an above-average running back can become a fantasy stud if you put him behind a great offensive line and, say, run 20 times a game.
1: I mean, that's what you want.
0: Exactly. So even even if a guy is just okay, like a guy like Sean Drawn goes in there, or let's talk about other backups that have come out to be really good. You know, Thomas you Rolls, who who is he? It, well, Tevin Coleman's still sort of a rookie-ish kind of guy, so okay. we, we don't know exactly who he is. But, but to your point... Um, a guy is going to have like this great year um, and then someone who everyone forgot about like last year we had Le'Veon Bell who injured sort of uh, uh, mid seasonish ish uh, maybe early mid uh, look at
1: D'Angelo Williams last year
0: that's who I'm talking about oh so well you said Le'Veon Bell I'm like
1: D'Angelo Williams well we're
0: easing into the conversation so D'Angelo, he he's the he's the backup of uh, Le'Veon Bell last year. And he goes in and scores a ton of points. Game after game, he just does great.
1: Number four running back of the year.
0: So the point is, you just have to be above average or average, which all those athletes are. Let's be honest. They're in the NFL. They're there for a reason. At any time, these guys can jump into the scheme and become a card-carrying member, of the team and they can just come and they can destroy stuff right that's that's what they're made to do they're running backs they're like bowling balls they're right. Maurice Jones Drew's of the defensive line <laughs> and um and so the contingency based drafting is just another way to think of uh, a possibility that you can make your team more resilient but then also benefit from the things that that happen to be the misfortune of others so you're playing someone and they and they are not playing someone but other people in your league have a team and, and a guy drafts a running back, but they don't draft a handcuff or or they draft a whole bunch of running backs that are really awesome and two of them get injuries. Well, they're not going to be able to figure out who all the players are they are going to back them up. And they're, if they fill their roster with those players, they're idiots.
1: Right, you can't just have a team of backups.
0: So what you should do if you want this team to kind of uh, to to be anti-fragile, like I was saying, is you would pick guys that are in committees. You know, uh, after the zero running back strategy, okay. You would pick guys that are in committees. You'd pick guys that that catch a lot of passes, um, that are that are Pretty like
1: third down guys, multi
0: weapons. So they're they're going to score you points regardless of whether or not they're the bell cow. Okay. But if something happens to the other guy, they become amazing. That's true. And and so they are less prone to injury. They are more prone to like big plays because they're fresher, like kind of off the bench. Like sort last of year, players. Jeremy
1: Langford would have been one of those guys. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I kind of like this idea of.
0: No, I mentioned Charles Sims, who's a who's oh, a yeah. really good. Running he's back. the
1: poster boy for this,
0: right? He's a he's a PPR running back that doesn't get a lot of the carries, but when he goes out there, he scores a bunch of points. I would I would throw in Danny
1: Woodhead, but he's a little more well known, and he's probably not going to be available quite as late.
0: Well, because of what happened last year. But you're right. Like, if you look at the previous... Even last
1: year, he was the 47th running back taken. Right. And he finished number 11.
0: Well, of course last year, because he was injured, like, the entire uh, of the previous year. You remember we talked about Danny Woodhead uh, last year, about him returning to his stats. And he returned to his stats. He did. He did great. It's fantastic. I
1: wish I would have taken my advice. (laughs) You should always
0: take your own advice, man.
1: (laughs) Sometimes, you know, Danny Woodhead's not available.
0: No? Yeah. So, So. yeah, those guys, those are the kind of guys that you're going to have on your team if you're if you're grabbing guys that are in later rounds. Um, and maybe not a Danny Woodhead this year because he did so well last year, but people will still look at him just like people Eric Decker. People will still think
1: that Melvin Gordon will produce more. Yeah, they'll still look I'm at him sure.
0: like Eric Decker and they'll say, well, Brandon Marshall's the number one wide receiver there. I don't want Eric Decker. But Eric Decker scores a touchdown like every fifth pass he gets. I mean, he's just awesome at that. He's pretty good. So... You have to look at these players for what they are and what they can add to your team as consistency. And, and there's a certain uh, point where you're looking at guys that are second and thirds that are good enough that if they became the first, if you look at the if what would happen if the if the first guy got injured, like if Brandon Marshall got injured, Eric Decker would score more points than he previously did. Yeah, but I mean... That's like what happens with Golden Tate and Calvin Johnson last year. Yeah. Uh, if uh, if Doug Martin gets injured, Charles Sims becomes a stud running back. Absolutely. That's just what happens. That's so, so if you're having a team where you're doing contingency-based drafting in a zero running back situation, which is what I'm recommending, um, and I'll, I'll give you an opportunity to, uh, to kind of have your sort of uh, philosophy on the matter as well, although I think we do generally agree on a lot of this stuff. Wide um, receivers first. <laughs> you're, you're taking wide receivers first and then you're taking other skill positions, so like tight end, um, but maybe even quarterback, and then taking all these things that you, you want, and everyone else is gonna look at you like you're crazy. And then you know, in the seventh or eighth round, you can start to draft these running back players that hopefully are, are sort of PPR guys, so they're interacting in the passing game, they're not just you know a big body in the backfield, you don't want a guy who does not catch the ball at all. Um, uh, I don't know if there's a good example of that, but like a LeGarrette Blunt probably. Um, a Jeremy Hill. Jeremy Hill. Yeah, you don't. You would rather Alfred have Morris. Giovanni Bernard by far. You don't want Alfred Morris. You don't want those guys. You want a guy who's going to be that, that multifaceted weapon that the coach is going to put out in lots of situations and that if the number one guy does go down, and we've seen this before with Giovanni Bernard, We've seen this before with uh, with other guys. They, they suddenly become amazing. In fact, sometimes better than the guy that they were right. backing
1: up. Well, showing you, going off this example with the Bengals, so Jeremy Hill last year was the ninth running back taken. Giovanni Bernard was the 31st running back taken. So even though Jeremy Hill finished... Uh, Fourteenth and Giovanni Bernard finished twentieth.
0: I should add only Bernard is a much more valuable pick. Hill only finished there because he had a whole lot of uh, goal line touchdowns. I think towards the end of the year. And yes,
1: Hill got a bunch of garbage touchdowns in that. You know, and those count.
0: Right, they were in games where you probably weren't going to be starting him. But Bernard was undervalued, and people still think he's undervalued, and it's because they don't look at the little things he does because they're not numbers that pop off the screen.
1: Right. So as uh, long as he can keep um, you know, getting you know, 60, 70 catches a year and 60, 70 carries a year, I think that he's going to you know, be a guy that you can slot in uh, in
0: bye weeks in your
1: flex. Yeah, uh, and that's uh, another... And you start him in a PPR league, probably.
0: That's another guy who I really like a lot this year, actually, because I think people sleep on him, and I think that... Um, he is going to have even more uh, possibilities for um, for the Lack passing of receiving. game because yeah. they, they got rid of a lot of their uh, uh, Marvin Jones and Muhammad Simon. He'll,
1: he'll have to learn to dump the ball off more on passing downs. So if Gio can block and short guys can block, you know it. We've all seen Maurice Jones-Drew freaking Stonewall. Uh, uh, Who is the crazy man, uh, Sean Merriman? You know that's one of my favorite highlights from years ago. Yeah, um, but you know we know that little guys can block. So as long as Giovanni Bernard can pull it off, he's going to be in there on passing downs. Uh, he may even get more uh, action than uh, Jeremy Hill.
0: Well, I still think I still think that Jeremy Hill will get the majority, just because it's the big guy, man. You know, it's that thing. Here's that thing. Uh, you may have a guy that comes in halfway through because someone gets injured, but they're never going to put the guy that's smaller in there as the number one guy to start the season. That just doesn't, you're right. It doesn't totally. make good sense as an NFL team. Um, but having a guy like Giovanni Bernard on your team, even as your running back, gives you points every single game no matter what happens and gives you the opportunity to have the entire backfield if something happens to Hill. And what are the odds that something happens to Hill? Well, probably like 35% or something like that <laughs> based on the amount of carries he has. In fact, I think about this a lot. I think... There may even be some kind of percentage that we could come up with or think, think up uh, that that is the percentage that a running back would get hurt uh, depending on how many carries they they have on. For average. every
1: carries you have, this many injuries. Yeah,
0: because people are doing stats all the time, right? And they don't necessarily factor in the injuries. And we're we've always talked about we don't worry about the injuries because what matters is what matters is, them. what matters is how the player would do if there weren't any injuries. Well, but,
1: it only matters how the player does while they're starting, really.
0: But the value of that player does change based on the, the possibility of him getting injured positionally. Uh, we See, we're always thinking of it as not the player getting injured himself because you can't say Brandon Marshall's going to get injured.
1: Right, But right,
0: right. You can't just pick one. But you could say that like... Running uh, backs will be more injured. You could say that of those wide receivers, that might be something to look at, like of those wide receivers of the last five years... That were drafted in the first five rounds. Uh, how many targets does it take for someone to, or how many receptions does it take for someone to get injured, for example? So then you could have an actual like. I a, think there may be
1: a relation with running backs like that because of the volume of carries and stuff. Um, but I think wide receivers uh, have an easier time staying healthy. Yeah, so yeah. There may not be, but a, they they get bigger too
0: if if they're catching a ball and then get crushed from the side or something. Sure, but
1: I mean, you think about guys like Antonio Brown and Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, who've been around for a long time—they're not missing more than a game or two at most.
0: Yeah, but those are also athletes that are that are like some of the best examples of wide receivers ever to play the game, and two guys that will both make the Hall of Fame probably.
1: Uh, well, you're fifty percent right right now. <laughs> we'll see if the other fifty percent comes true.
0: Well, AB is already. If things don't change, then I think already the best wide receiver in the game. So.
1: He is right now, and he's been that
0: for at least two years now. And it's funny because he was the best receiver in the game for the past two years, and Calvin Johnson uh, retired because he was in the shadow of, of Antonio Brown. The short shadow of five foot eleven Antonio <laughs> Brown. That's some Steve Smith Sr. stuff.
1: Oh, man. So uh, Antonio Brown was the number one wide receiver. He was finished number one. Adrian Peterson, we said, was the number one running back, finished number two. Gronkowski was number one, finished number one. At quarterback... Okay, just to illustrate how crazy it was, we said Andrew Luck was number one. He finished twenty seventh. Number two, Aaron Rodgers finished seventh. It, that, that isn't even. It almost feels like it's not worth the payoff there. It's not. Yeah. So, I you know I, I really definitely agree with. I'm this gonna I'm gonna sort of strategy. You, I'm gonna we, slap
0: you across the face if, you, I if draft you draft Aaron any Rogers, quarterbacks.
1: Yeah. I'm gonna try my best not to really like this year more than others. I mean, I was looking at how the running backs that finished high were drafted low, but the same thing is true for the uh, quarterbacks. Look, Kirk Cousins was the 8th guy. He was the 29th quarterback taken. His ADP was 235. That essentially counts as not being drafted. As being an ignored free agent. You know, Carson Palmer finished number 5. Blake Bortles finished number 4. Those were guys that are basically not getting drafted last year. So, um, I mean, you know, I will definitely just do a bunch of mock drafts, see what quarterbacks are landing at the end of the draft. So right now, when we look at the ADP of quarterbacks, um, guys who aren't being drafted, that kind of starts with Matt Ryan. So, you know, you want to look right before that. You can have Mariota, you can have Taylor, you can have Stafford. I think... You know, top of my head, I would say that Tyrod Taylor would be the guy that I would target for like a super late of the draft pickup.
0: I like Taylor. I like I like Mariota. I like uh, Jameis Winston. I like Andy Dalton again. Andy Dalton. I like thirteenth round average. I like Derek Carr. I like Tony Romo, who's who's uh, ADP right now is is the, well he's the the twelfth um, the twelfth of the quarterbacks I guess to go and on, on unusually, uh, Eli Manning. Uh, so, so after the first 10 guys is what I would say, like, basically you're looking at like Tom Brady, like some kind of Blake Bortles, Tom Brady cutoff where you're like Blake if, Bortles, if you
1: can get Tom Brady in, well, he's going 73 right now. So eighth round, but if he's still there in the 10th round, because people don't want to deal with the suspension, take him and then. Take any of these guys who are going to be free agents. Well, Teddy Bridgewater, Ryan Tannehill.
0: You know what Tom Brady's going to do. He's going to come back and do the, the Tom Brady... Oh, like, he's
1: going to kill whoever he plays in week he's five. He's going to
0: do the middle finger tour I believe again. it
1: is the Cleveland Browns that they play week five.
0: Do you remember the middle finger tour from last year?
1: Oh, the middle finger tour will be extended even further.
0: <laughs> so, so yeah, but, but the idea is is true, and uh, it's one that, that I want to uh, just put out there, you know, take these vibes and take them to your fantasy football draft, and it's not really that hard. All you have to do is tell yourself, and you can draft and just tell yourself over and over, I don't need a running back, I don't need a running back, I don't need a running back, because... I don't
1: I, want a quarterback, I, I don't want a guarantee quarterback. guarantee
0: you that half of the people that are listening to this, if not more, will go to their draft with the idea in mind to go zero running back, and then they'll draft a running back in like the third or fourth round, because they just can't stop themselves, because they think to themselves... I myself. They think to themselves, but who am I going to start as running back?
1: But who's going to be there? But he's going away.
0: Someone's going to take him. Look,
1: things change so much throughout the season that, like, by the end of the season, you know, you could have one of the best running backs in the league that you didn't draft. It's certainly possible. There's trades to be done. There's free agents to be picked up. There's waiver wires to work.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about, for example, the ADP for the running backs uh, for this year. So we've got Todd Gurley. Adrian Peterson.
1: Todd Gurley, number
0: one. David Johnson. Ezekiel Elliott. Le'Veon Bell. That's five. Then Lamar Miller. Devonte Freeman. Jamal Charles. Doug Martin and Eddie Lacy.
1: All right. Um, what stands out to me and that is probably um, Le'Veon Bell being at five. I would think he would have fallen a little bit more, but... Then again, he does tend to be the best, the the highest point per game running back in the last couple of years. Even
0: if he misses four games, he still ends up being like the number four guy.
1: Well, you know, we saw that, <laughs> was it last year that he missed the first three games? Yeah, it was last year. Yeah, I mean, he misses the first three games and he, he's just healthier for the rest of the year. Yeah. Which well, is, until almost, he gets injured.
0: It's almost better to have the guy miss the first couple games because then everyone else's <laughs> running back is going to get injured and you're going to start your fresh guy. So, I like that, but, you know, we're talking about these guys. Um, well, I'm not asking you if you like it or not. What I'm saying is, here's the 10. So, out of those, as we know, statistically, uh, less than 50% of those will actually finish within the uh, within the top uh, 10. Based on back.
1: last year's stats, 20% of them finish in the top 10. Which two of those guys finish in the top 10, the rest of them don't. I well, mean, well, is, well,
0: no, no. Well, the, the Based top, on last year. You mean the top 10 of running backs. Top 10 of running backs. Yeah. So so we're looking at this list and we say only two of them will finish and the other eight are going to be outside and a lot of them way outside the top 10.
1: So even if we're generous and we say that half of them finish in the top 10, you know, that's only a 50/50 bet. The only the only guys who I would want to take here are Todd Gurley and David Johnson. You know, Todd Gurley because I feel like he's in a situation where he's going to be a workhorse and he's young enough that he's going to be the I hate to say it, the least injury prone, uh, and David Johnson because he's got the advantage of a little bit of a committee uh, to keep him, you know, to keep his carries down and his productivity up.
0: Yeah, but see, you're already talking yourself into drafting a running back. You're already. I'm losing. just saying the only two of those you're guys al- who I would want. You're already losing focus.
1: If you had the number one overall pick,
0: Antonio Brown.
1: Okay, if you had like the fifth pick and four wide receivers were taken, you know, Death aren't Bryant. you going to look at? Uh, a Todd Gurley?
0: Not any longer. Okay. And Todd Gurley, there's no way he's going to be available. There's no way that's going to happen. Four wide receivers and then a running back? You're right. You're <laughs> right. People are going to take the top guys. They're going to take the... Uh... The wideouts
1: are more popular now. Antonio Brown and Odell are, number, uh, are numbers one and two.
0: Well, so let's look at the wide receivers. So wide receiver ADP. We've got Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham... Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, Des Bryant, A.J. Green, Jordy Nelson, Alan Robinson, Alshon Jeffrey, and Brandon Marshall. So there's there's your top 10.
1: Alshon Jeffrey makes a return to the top 10 of the ADP, even though he finished way outside of it last year.
0: Well, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of that, but it doesn't matter to me. Uh, regardless of, of that... I'd
1: have Brandon Marshall before him.
0: He probably wouldn't be in my... I don't know if he would, but but I would take any of those guys uh, in general. I
1: think these numbers might need to be updated on the Fantasy Pros because they show that Alshon is overall 20 and Brandon Marshall is overall 18.
0: I don't know what you're talking about, but we can we can talk about that after. It's the... probably always
1: refreshing, so we may not have the exact same page.
0: Sure. Uh, but but no matter but matter what you're looking at when you're looking at these particular numbers the point is that those guys Jordan Nelson allen Robinson AJ green Brandon Marshall Julio Jones those guys are gonna are gonna probably uh, give you production all year round and if you're gonna draft a running back you can bet that most likely that guy will get injured and give you no production for a, a period of time
1: <laughs> you have yeah. Odds are, odds are that that will happen.
0: Now we looked at the at the running backs, and you said twenty percent of them made the top ten. Uh, now I, I was thinking of another statistic as well, which would be, um, you know, how many are making the like like a higher number, like a top twenty or something. But what I'm wondering is, based on that, how many wide receivers um, from last year that were drafted in the top ten wide receivers made it to the top ten wide receivers at the end of the season? So. There was five
1: guys, so half of the guys made it. Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham Jr., Julio Jones, Calvin Johnson, and uh, A.J. Green. So, all finished in the top ten of the
0: position. So half of them. Exactly. So 50 over 20.
1: And, and really, Des Bryant, you're losing the draft pick, but you're not losing the start. You know, As soon as he gets injured, you're, you're just replacing him with somebody. Um, so that's not as bad. It's the guys who are less productive, like a Randall Cobb, who was the WR8 who finished twenty seventh? that's what hurts you the most. Um, yeah so, but that's
0: still not so bad considering some of the running backs are out for like the whole season. Oh,
1: exactly. exactly. the um, it's the, not very inc- often the consistency of wide receivers are is is way, way better than the other positions. it's it's far better in the top ten. Uh, the top twenty as you look at it, you know it's just it's so much better.
0: so I think, I used to not want to have the number one pick, for example, but now I'm thinking it'd be great to have the one or two pick and just take one wide receiver, and then when it comes back around, take two more wide receivers, and then there you go. You've got three guys that are in the top take 21 Take Olson picks.
1: in the fourth round.
0: Well, I, I, I don't worry about tight ends too much, but it, top 21 picks, you have three guys, and they're all in the same position. And most um, Yahoo leagues, um, well, maybe not Yahoo, but... The leagues that we play in, and a lot of standard leagues have three wide receiver positions each week. So you would have three wide receivers that are probably going to end up in that top tier. Uh, Let's say top 25. If you draft them in top 25, they're probably going to end up in the top 25. So that's three guys. And then if you were to take, let's say, three running backs there, then, and I've had this problem happen year after year. Uh, a long time ago, when I used to draft running back, running back, running back in leagues and, and things that people would tell me to go ahead and go for, I would I would end up losing uh, all of the running backs throughout the year. Maybe maybe with exception of one or something, right? <laughs> you lose two running backs out of the three picks that you take in the first three rounds. You've lost all the value of your team. Yeah, you're just losing value. You're bleeding it. It's leeching out of your body. Oh, the the last time I went. I drafted three running
1: backs to start a, a league. Yeah. It was just brutal. All my wide receiver depth was terrible. The running backs got injured, and I had nothing to show for
0: it. Yep, so so we want you to go out there and win all the money from your league by by drafting the wide receivers first. And, and then moving into That's guys... That's the best way to do it. Moving into guys that are PPR guys... Whether or not you're in a PPR league, it still gives them a greater opportunity to score more points when they're not the number one guy on the team because they're going in there, they're catching passes. They have the possibility of getting extra points or uh, the possibility of getting touchdowns in more than one way. So that that is my suggestion to you. So... Um, do you have anything more to add from the uh, from the research that you've done in the past couple days because I know you did a bunch of research there?
1: Um so I mean the only things that i you know I, that I really noticed was just how crazy the the wide receivers uh, were in, in compared to the other positions in terms of how stable they were at the top. So at the very least, what we're saying, what I'm trying to say anyways is that um for those first couple of rounds, you need to be taking wide receivers. The odds of them being a productive member of your team throughout the year are almost twice as good as any other position. Even those quarterbacks that feel like they're going to be, uh, you know, a sure thing or whatever, you know, last year Cam Newton was the eleventh uh, drafted quarterback, and he wound up finishing number one. So you, you you can't tell from year to year who's going to be the guy. Um, But you can tell from position to position which position is going to be more productive. The league is totally geared towards this. Even though this feels like a year that may have better running backs than in years past, um, there are fewer running backs being taken in the first round this year. I think people have sort of uh, become hip to the wide receivers, but, you know, that doesn't mean that you want to go away from that trend right now. That is well, the, 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 the way will, to
0: go. It will also change leading up to drafts because most of the drafts take place in, the, let's say, the last couple weeks of August or the first week of September.
1: Absolutely. A lot of the ADP information, obviously, is only based on what we know now. Um, before you look at ADP information from last year... Before
0: we get all the newbies to draft, then they're going to change it all.
1: They will. They will <laughs> kind of adjust it all. We'll drive those running backs up even higher.
0: All right. Okay. Well... Last year, I did pretty well and won a couple of trophies. And I took Le'Veon Bell in a bunch of my leagues. And it hurt me. And I had to scramble and grab guys on the waivers. And and you should do that anyway, of course. But this year, uh, being that I think I'm going to enact this strategy in all of my leagues, I have a feeling that I'm going to win just as many or more trophies than I did last year. Because, I mean, look at it from a perspective of someone who's played for, for many years, right, you you try to do a good job, and there's only some things you can control. But what you can control, and what Jason said, and what I'm saying, the most important thing, I think, is is sort of how stable your team can be. And we always, we used to say that drafting those running backs was more important because it was more important to get a guy that's, um, and that was in our first years of podcasting, it was more important to get a guy that would take the 25 carries a game than someone who doesn't have a chance of doing that. But although we were right, it's great to have those guys. Uh, Once you go halfway through... If you get
1: it right, then you're golden, but the chances of getting it right are so low.
0: Once you go halfway through a season or so, statistically, you have chosen incorrectly. And you should have gone the other way. So uh, the other possibility, if you want to get, I think, pretty technical would be to draft those guys that are going to do really well at running back and then uh, use them for a couple games. Whenever they have a really great game, sell them off and trade them for <laughs> wide receiver prospects, uh, for wide receivers that are you know not doing so hot but are still top 10 guys because then you can buy them low for your sell high. I mean, if, if you're going to really do this like, like day trading, like stock trading, that's what you would do. You would draft a guy that's like a running back that does well in the beginning of the year Trade him for a wide receiver that will do better at the end of the year. Yeah. But do it after you've won a couple games. And after, <laughs> after the guy has put up a two-touchdown game, get rid of him. Take Jamal Charles, trade him for Brandon Marshall. And then, you know, Brandon Marshall will do way better than Jamal Charles in the last half of the year because Jamal Charles would tear his third ACL.
1: Wow, he has three ACLs. They're all <laughs> torn. That's a shame.
0: That's absolutely right.
1: So, yeah, I mean, I, I feel the same way. The league that I won uh, last year, uh, I drafted it, – it's a two-quarterback league, so you're really pressured to draft other positions. I still took wide receivers in the first two rounds. Now, that's because I am a big believer in best available um, in terms of – not the top of your sheet, but in terms of the top tiers available. So most value available at the time. Uh, so I took Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, because they seemed like the best players available at the time. Um but, you know, having the wide receivers really helped me throughout the year. And that's a league that had half-point PPR. If you are playing with a league of any kind of PPR, drafting the wide receivers early is just more valuable for you. It, it drives the numbers further into in favor of getting wide receivers early.
0: Well, and there are some running backs that are really great. Like David Johnson projects to be amazing as a PPR running back. Arian Foster will be really good. Le'Veon Bell will be really good. Yeah, but we already know that. So those guys, I mean, it's just increasing those guys. So really, PPR is not making people better in like overall in a position. It's just decreasing the, the ceiling of the quarterbacks, and it's decreasing uh, those players who are old school that only do one thing, like uh, like Alfred Morris. And Jeremy Hill. Yeah, so it's making them worth less. not worthless, worth, worth less less.
1: fewer <laughs> points. So I, I would say, and we had to talk about this earlier today, that um, there's about 15 to 20 players whose value changes in a PPR league. The rest of it, everyone remains the same relative to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, guys like Jarvis Landry, who uh, have a low uh, catch uh, yards per catch, but they have a high volume of catches. You know, they're going to be valuable. Julian Edelman will be more valuable. Guys like that.
0: Yeah, although although like Edelman's going to be valuable anyway, and, and
1: Landry will be valuable anyways. It's just that their value
0: goes you know even higher
1: up up a significant amount.
0: I think what PPR helps too more than anything else uh, might be tight ends because tight ends get the, a lot of the pitch off and not so many touchdowns, with the exception of. Uh, you know, maybe guys like Gronkowski and Olsen. Some of the guys definitely do, yeah. Usually your your touchdown ratio for a tight end is much smaller, but they might have six passes a game. Jason Witten was always a good example of that because he's a guy who gets eight, nine passes a game. I'm
1: surprised you game. didn't mention the, the Steeler. Keith
0: well, Miller. Keith Miller's no longer playing football.
1: I know, but he was a good example of
0: that. Well, now we can talk about Ladarius Green, who'll probably be like if 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 things I want to happen happen, (laughs) will be the best uh, Steelers tight end. Certainly, uh, more power to him. He's certainly the most talented catching, uh, uh, in theory, catching tight end end that they've had in in years and years, if ever. Yeah. Um. Well, anyway, if if you don't have anything else,
1: I think we're pretty good
0: here. Then, uh, then yeah, we should wrap up the show. And again, thanks for listening to the Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by Jason and myself, Dave. And you can listen to us anytime on Stitcher or iTunes at Drink5Network. And we're looking for uh, for a possible name or title for this show so it's not Fantasy Football Podcast. Maybe something a little more snappy. So if anybody comes up with anything, uh, that includes you Should or me. Should we call it Cecil Shorts? No. <laughs>
1: The Cecil Shorts Happy Fun Hour.
0: We can, You can send that to Jason or Dave at drink5.com, and we'll, we'll check it out and see what we think. And if uh, someone does come up with a great name for it, and we decide to, to keep it, then uh, we'll send you a little prize of some sort. Sure. So thanks again, guys. Follow us up on Facebook and Twitter, and uh, listen to us on Stitcher and iTunes, and we will catch you next time. And Drink 5. Five.